Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem. And it's an it's not a great day, but it's the kind of day I like. It's a little overcast, a little bit of rain. I'm enjoying it. Mm. I'm Seth Rodney, and I'm the opinions editor at the Hypoallergic Magazine, and, uh, and I was the author of the book that came out in 2019, The Personalization of the Museum Visit, and I'm speaking to you from Newburgh, New York, in the Hudson River Valley. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're continuing our conversation on transitions more broadly and specifically on leave taking. And last week we uh, talked about uh, Seth's mom's passing and kind of all the things that came out of that and, you know, stuff related to his dad and all that other um, difficult uh, stuff. So uh, today we're actually going to talk about something that happened in my life. Um, you know, I reflexively avoid uh, personal subjects on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Um, so uh, last, uh, well, you guys will be hearing this uh, another week from now. So I guess it would be two weeks ago on Sunday morning, uh, my house burned down. Uh, it's about four, uh, f- maybe five minutes to five in the morning. Um, and I was woken up by the alarm and, uh, and we have an intruder alarm on the house. Um, uh, and for those of you that listened, because we had that sort of disgruntled employee who was making all these threats. So we had this alarm put on the house, uh, which is a whole series of sort of steps that, ended up affecting that morning. So there was an intruder alarm on the house, which was the first thing to go off. And the reason it went off is because the alarm was never properly installed correctly. Oh, wow. So there's a there's there's a door sensor that never quite situates correctly. And so it's very sensitive to being dislodged and the alarm being tripped. And you have to put the, the door in the slot exactly right. And of course, I should have called the alarm company to fix it and never did that. But where the fire started was in that part of the house, which was an enclosed patio. And because of the heat from the fire, it caused the door to warp very slightly. And so it tripped the intruder alarm. Hmm. And so I got up half asleep and disarmed it thinking not, of course, not thinking that there was an intruder, but just thinking the door had, you know, slipped off the, you know, not the sensor was slightly off, or maybe my oldest son had let the dog outside and forgotten to disarm the alarm because that happens. Um, and then I heard this sound in uh, uh, that part of the house. I thought, what is that sound? That doesn't really sound like a person. And I ran around the corner and it was orange in the room and then went further into the room and saw the fire. Mm. Um, and ran back into the bedroom and got my wife up and got my oldest son up and, you know, um, had them get out of the house. And I said to my wife and, you know, my, you know, in my hubris, Call nine one one if I can't get the fire out. Mm. So, I ran into the garage and we had a fire extinguisher out there, and I got the fire extinguisher <clears throat> and ran out to the fire. And I don't know, you know, I've never used a fire extinguisher before, um, and so, but they run out very quickly. You know, mm-hmm. fifteen seconds, twenty seconds. I'm not, you know, I wow. wasn't really telling time very quickly, but you know, I emptied the fire extinguisher into the fire. 
and um, it didn't really make a dent. I mean, I, I some kind of dent, but in my, you know, the fire was still growing. Right. So I went back in the house and made sure everyone was out. At this point, the sunroom or the porch is just on fire. Um, and the couch has started to catch fire and I run back in the house to see if everyone is out. And then I'm, you know, I'm not thinking super clearly, but I am still thinking I should try and put out the fire. Um, and so I grabbed a bucket and filled it with water and dumped it on the fire. And it was very smoky at this point. And I thought, oh yeah, you're supposed to duck down if there's a fire. So, you know, like I'm crouched around the house. And then I remembered that on that side of the house, there's a hose, like outside, like right by the fire. And so I went out the front door and around the side and um, was able to get down low enough to get over to the hose to turn it on to start to try and fight the fire with the hose. Um, And at some point in that process, I realized that this was dangerous. Mm. Um, like embers were kind of like popping off and like, um, you don't really feel it because the adrenaline is going, mm. but um, you know, I've got like, you know, little burns, I mean, very minor, but little burns all over, you know, my body, like we're burned through the sweats and stuff like that. And so I, at some point I was like, okay, I need to move away from this. This is not safe and came out towards the front of the house and continued to spray the fire, but you know, from a distance. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, Molly was yelling, you know, get out, you know, get away from the fire. Well, you know, everyone was scared. Um, our neighbors came out. Um, you know, th- there's a fire station not very far from the house. Mm. So from it felt like they showed up within five minutes. It probably wasn't five minutes. It was probably more like 10 or something like that because, you know, it was there was a lot going on. Mm. And they got there and they eventually got the fire uh, put out. But it had it, it essentially burned down half the home and then the other half was damaged seriously in um, by smoke and heat. Mm. So I just found this out a couple of days ago, but literally everything in the home has to be disposed of. Um, so it, because of asbestos exposure, so the house had been treated for asbestos, but it was built in 1965. And oh, so... Wow. There are just materials that they can't abate when they're doing it. And, of course, a fire releases all of those. Right. And so everything in the house is contaminated with asbestos, uh, particularly clothing. I mean, non-porous surfaces you can clean. So if there's, you know, like a sculpture or a piece of jewelry or something like that that you really want to save, you you know, that's fine. But the insurance company recommends that everything be disposed of. Jesus Christ. Literally everything that I own, we own, that wasn't in my car or at the office is gone. It's just all gone. Um, And, you know, I'm not a very, uh, I'm not very, I don't say I'm not materialistic in a noble way. I don't, I'm not very attached to material things. I do like to buy things, though, I should say. Like, Mm -hmm. the actual act of shopping Mm -hmm. is a pleasure. Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy doing that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I'm otherworldly or something. But, you know, the actual possession itself, um, I I don't get overly attached to. So I'm not really, I'm not really upset about the loss of the things. There were a couple of things that were meaningful my son is a fairly precocious artist. 
Um, and he's still quite young. He's my youngest son is eight. And, you know, he started drawing when he was like two. Mm. Um, and, you know, was already doing things with like perspective at two, like, you know, objects mm. like were bigger, um, in the foreground and smaller in the, in, in the background kind of mm. thing. And those, the, the best of those were all, you know, in a, you know, cliche way on magnets attached to the refrigerator and of, of course, course all of those things are gone yeah. um, and that's not replaceable yeah, um, yeah. but the, th the thing I was going to say about the material stuff is that it occurred to me just I mean it just fully occurred to me like a day or two ago uh, that like we I don't underwear socks you know like just the the the, the task to yeah. replace yeah all of, and not even necessarily all of, I mean, you get a chance to kind of rethink things and sort of like, okay, do I really need this? Do I really need that? And I actually, that process I welcome, but like, I don't, I don't have anything that wasn't in my, I have a little backpack in my car that had my clothes, but I don't have anything that isn't, you know, potentially, uh, a source of mesothelioma. So just everything has to be replaced. The house is going to essentially be torn down or stripped to the studs. The process is supposed to take about a year. Um, so th this was a life altering event, you know, I mean, as far as what my life's going to look like for the next year, two years, etc. Um, no one was hurt, you know, I mean, no, you know, very minor stuff. Uh, everyone got out, you know, obviously that is far and away the most important thing. Um, but you know, the thing that you know, two things really struck me and then I'm, I'm happy to open it up for you guys is one, um, for anyone that is listening, definitely, definitely, definitely check your smoke detectors <laughs> because fire moves so fast, like, it went from when I saw it, something that at least in my mind, I thought I could do something about whether that was hubris or not. It was still at a size that I thought could be contended with to I there's nothing I can do about this with a water hose except stand back and watch it burn. And it is very easy for me to, you know, because the smoke gets you first. It is very easy for me to see how a fire without warning would just tear through a home and kill everyone inside. Um, so, you know, if you're you definitely check your smoke detectors, <laughs> make sure they work. Um, and the other thing was just, you know, you move the timeline five minutes in another direction and this is an even worse story. Mm. I, I mean, you mm. know, just... Um, mm. you know, and I, and I don't want to have a podcast to fucking talk about, you know what I mean? Like mm. you move it in, a, in another direction and, you know, my son's room was closest to where the fire was and it's just gutted. Mm. It is, it's gone. Um, so yeah. So mm. that was my Sunday morning. Mm. I have questions. Steven, you want to go first? I know you have questions. I always have questions. I said, but you go ahead. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Two things, uh, and they're really different questions. But as you were describing the fire, discovering the fire and, have, and seeing it, watching it move through your house, and then essentially taking steps to fight it yourself, when you realized that you couldn't fight it any longer, and I, I was kept waiting for this moment in your narrative to happen, and it didn't, 
I kept expecting you to say, okay, once I realized that I dashed into the house and got this because I knew I couldn't lose this. But I didn't hear that. It, and and I keep right. think- it never occurred to me. What? It never occurred. Never to occurred me. to you, right? Right. That one, the, it was the the only thing that was on my radar was whether the people and the dog. We have a dog, and you know whether they were at one point. I you know because I was just standing there trying to spray the fire. Um, you know, at one point I um, you know I turned. I thought it was Molly, but it wasn't. It was our neighbor who I just mm-hmm. met that night. He was down the road, and I turned to him and I said, "Is the dog out of the house?" And he, he just kind of looked at me like weirdly. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my wife." So, mm-hmm. you know, I just did. Uh. You know, I if if anything, I wish I would have thought of the drawings because you know mm-hmm. I feel like probably mm-hmm. if I had thought about that early enough, I could have gotten those out. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't think of that. But that. Is really, uh, what's the word? It's it's. Co- I want to say coextensive. It it follows from your own assessment of yourself that you're not really attached to material things. I mean, you kind of prove it. Like it wasn't your like go. Right. Like I think I I've had this moment of thinking this because I've read other mm-hmm. or, or heard other accounts of of people losing their homes to fire. Right. And I've thought to myself, wow, if that happened to me and I saw it, I would immediately run and get whatever, my wallet. Because mm-hmm. yes. it has all my credit mm-hmm. cards. And I think, okay, it has my my credit cards and my ID, that and my phone, and maybe um, some clothes to wear that, and my laptop. That's what I need. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, I take mm-hmm. those things and run. Of course, this, you know, this is all predicated on this notion that, the Seth that encounters this moment of serious mm. crisis is thinking mm. rationally. It's like the oh, adrenaline isn't like, yes. you know, you know, yes. o- mm-hmm. o- o- overpowering me. Like, like I'm not uh, sort of I'm just racked with confusion. Like, you know, this is, this is, this is a fantasy, of course. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in my fantasy, that's, that's what I think. Um, and then my second question is, do you think that this, event qualifies as trauma for you? Uh, that is a great question. Mm. Um, what would we consider trauma? I, I Let me interject very briefly. So earlier before yeah, you, before we started this conversation, before we got on the podcast, you did refer to it as traumatic. Mm, okay. Your words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess traumatic in you know my memory of the event was is porous. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, so I remember things in bits and pieces uh, and impressions, and things will come back to me. Um, like for a day or so, I kept the all I remembered was going to fight the fire, and I kept thinking. Oh my God! Did I not go in and get Molly and and Liam up and stuff? And then Molly says, "Like, no, no, you came back in the room and you said, you know, like you need to get out of the house, get everyone out of the house." Mm-hmm. And then I remembered again later that I had run into Dean's room again to see if he was gone. Like, but all of that. So if if the measure of trauma is like a, an event that overwhelms your normal sense of yourself and your place in the world, then certainly. Because okay. I don't, I don't have a full handle on that event. Um, if we're working with some other kind of def- definition of trauma, in that I feel like this will define how I, 
you know, move through life, then okay. no, I don't, I don't think that. But, um, but certainly it was an event that was much bigger than my normal functioning brain mm-hmm. to deal with. And a lot of things happened on autopilot. I was thinking of shock. And I was yeah. going to frame it as, are you still in shock? Which is kind of ridiculous, not ridiculous question, but it is a, it's kind of a leading question in a way. I was like, so it's a hard question for me to answer. I, okay. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, uh-huh. I kind of feel like you can't know until after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, cause if, if I am in shock, if I am inside of it still and mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. like in my full sort of emotional apparatus hasn't been brought to bear to deal with this, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah. it's possible. Yeah. It's definitely, but I mean, definitely my stage, there has definitely been a stage of realization. So like the first few days, it was just like, okay, I got to take care of this. I got to take care of this, right. this appointment. It wasn't until uh, four days later. So, you know, we're doing this on a Saturday. It was a Thursday that mm-hmm. I, it, the enormity of the task of the everyday things that I needed to now spend time purchasing hit me. Um, and the mm-hmm. expense of that, and now we, you know we have homeowners insurance, and you know that you right. know that that process has been has been great. Uh, and I have an observation okay. about that after you guys are done. Uh, okay, uh, with your questions, but but maybe I'm not sure. Talk to me in a week or two. <laughs> so so I, so I do want to <laughs> I do want to suggest this, uh, and this comes via an artist friend of mine, Maleko Magosi, who uh, is a great painter. Um, I think originally, yes, he's originally from Botswana and lives here now, now teaching at Yale. He was on a, we were all on a Zoom call, uh, assessing some students' work last semester. And the student mentioned trauma. And Malika was very, I was impressed by how careful, carefully he parsed this and lightly he tread. He suggested that the student think about the ways in which trauma can be understood. And he said, again, in a suggestive tone, Mm -hmm. what I understand about trauma is that it is something that changes the person. The person you Mm -hmm. are after the event is different Mm -hmm. from the person before the event. So in some ways you are irrevocably changed. That's what, how he understands trauma. And I like that because that's pretty helpful actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's somewhere between the two definitions that you were thrown out, right? The the definition of being overwhelmed by a situation and not being able to sort of emotionally or intellectually navigate it. It just, it just, it sort of just overwhelms your banks. And then the Mm -hmm. other one, which was that, um, uh, it defines your right, your right, pressure. right, and I, yeah. I, yeah, and I, and I, and I want to say that Maleko's uh, definition really, really seems apt here. Okay, yeah, that's helpful. In that way, yes, I mean, I would say undeniably it was traumatic for sure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, it definitely. I, there, there are things that I know I will account for going forward that were just not ever on my radar before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like what, Travis? 
<laughs> like to be smoke detectors. Like, yeah, you, know, right. you know, and the home is going to be rebuilt. You can believe that we will be exceeding whatever code standards there are for that. <laughs> uh, right. You know, right. checking them right. regularly. Right. You know, you're, there are these procedures that you're supposed to um, to to do. Um, th- those are kind of like super practical things. Mm-hmm. And, and separately from that, though, um, you know the it really you know I was talking to my wife about this it really there are very few times in 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 sort of if you are fully enmeshed enmeshed in the complexity of um of modern society and you know with the jobs and the homes and all of the responsibilities and the accoutrements that go along with that right. there are very few times where you are given an opportunity, maybe never a time uh, or, you know, once or twice in your life where you're given an opportunity to completely rethink what you are doing Mm -hmm. and to completely and to bring intention to the decisions that you're making going forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fire as a metaphor is, is almost overdetermined in this context mm. given the way that insurance works and the way everything and like all of the other situations for us the instability of our business right now right right mm-hmm. like we literally could radically reconfigure our lives mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, would mm-hmm. have the means to do that mm. um and that so that means that no matter what like the next few months the next year is going to involve a level of attention and intention mm-hmm. that I couldn't have possibly brought to bear hmm. before the event. Mm. Okay. Um, mm. And so, you know, yeah, yeah. So there was this thing about you being up for adventure, right, that we've talked about throughout our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this notion of, okay. Okay, so now we have to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right, right. that's how I was hearing, even when we first talked about it via um, phone, there was, in your voice, I was like, is, is he, he might be in shock. But mm. there, was, there wasn't there was a heavy sigh. There was, oh, yeah, well, now we've got to turn the boat this way now. <laughs> do you know? Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate yeah. that because you've been fairly consistent personality-wise and intellectually mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And so it, right. I don't want to make light of your situation in any matter of shape or form, but it felt like lemons, lemonade. Okay, mm-hmm. now we can do this time to change up some mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I really, yeah. I was like, okay, okay. And yeah, you just had a really interesting response to it that I thought was pretty much in line with your character. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate that. It's actually, it is pretty accurate. There are moments of excitement, honestly, about mm-hmm. what this means. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, it, again, the way I just characterized it, how many times in your life do you get? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. so let me, let me go back to an earlier point. I was going to say, you are in a situation like this where, you know, so we are, we are fortunate enough to own our home. Yeah. We have a mortgage, of course, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we have very good homeowners insurance, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something like insurance like that is you are exposed to all of 
the sort of wonders of modern civil society. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about anything right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a company that is dedicated to finding us a home <laughs> for the next six months to a year. <laughs> there are yes. There is insurance money to replace our items. There is insurance money to replace our home. Like, mm-hmm. there are, you know, there are all these provisions for you know, being reimbursed for this and reimbursed for that. Right. That level of, of safe, that, that sort of tightly enmeshed safety, safety net could Mm -hmm. only exist in a complex society. Even if you were in a small community in which you got all kinds of support, Mm -hmm. no one is going to be able to just up and rebuild your house immediately and up and like, you know, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it really, in that way, you know, for a number, and, and I, not to say that our experience defines everyone. There's lots of people that don't have, that don't own their homes, that don't, that don't have good homeowners insurance policies, all this kind of stuff. But I do to to, to round it out. It, I do. I mean, it exposes me to why people aspire to those things. Okay. Why why the middle class is an attractive mm-hmm, aspiration mm-hmm. for yes. people because if you can get to the other side of it, mm-hmm. there is a kind of security that someone who is poor or does not have those access to those things just doesn't get does uh, mm-hmm. doesn't have the benefit of mm-hmm. right um, and so I feel a tremendous amount of gratitude for that and. But rather than guilt, I just want to do something with it. Like I just, yeah. it's very important to not just like continue sleepwalking in whatever direction we were going before. Not to say we were sleepwalking, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah, I do know um, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I do. There is a kind of um, excitement, and you know, there is a possibility here um, that you know the fire created. So mm-hmm. I want to pull this. Uh, towards um, the aesthetic and talk about an art project. And I think that this dovetails Mm -hmm. with the point you're making about middle-class comfort and security. I think that it's such a vital aspirational Mm -hmm. uh, uh, trope of our culture that an artist actually went in the opposite direction to show like what it to, to basically take advantage of exploit that feeling of not having that. Mm. So this yes. artist named mm. Michael Landy mm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. in 2001 teamed up with a nonprofit arts organization called Art Angel to make an exhaustive inventory of his belongings that ran to 7,227 items. Mm. And in an empty shop wow. in, in Oxford Street, he put everything on a conveyor belt in yellow trays and put it through a wood chipper. Everything he owned. Everything he owned. So literally when the day was done, he had nothing except what the clothes that was, uh, that were on his back and what happened to, whatever happened to be in his pockets. And the piece is called breakdown. So, you know, it's, it's Mm. that, right? Mm. Like it's that, it's like an artist saying, Mm. okay, like how do I start over from scratch? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do I start over? Yeah, and also, powerful. what do mm. these things mean, really? What do they mean? Mm. I think, didn't mm-hmm. Adrian Brody do something very similar like that when he took the role of the pianist? He sold his all his possessions, 
moved to Europe oh, yeah, and basically I, did. Yeah, I have a vague memory of this. Right. And he just engaged himself in that particular role. And so mm. friendships were afraid. I think he broke up with his girlfriend. And I'm thinking, I fantasize about those things often. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. those are awesome places to begin something, to see something different, which you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And also, it's your metal, like you're testing your metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If everything blew up, who mm-hmm. would you be? Who mm-hmm. are you without these things? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, from the looks of it so far, the, uh, I was putting it through my NASA board. It looks like Travis is the same person he was before the fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know? So, I mean, think about that. Yeah, and right. I think those are great lessons. Great lessons. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and the, you know, the, just to you know, kind of round it out and, and maybe bring it back to our earlier conversation. I mean, ultimately it is a reminder of death. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you know, the thing I had said, you know, that night in a moment of, you know, kind of insight, I don't remember if it was my son or my wife had said, you know, something like everything is gone or, you know, it's all burned up. And I just said, you know, everything is always on fire. You just don't see this. Do you burn. understand? Yo, mm. say that shit. Mm. Say that. Yeah. That with the blinders yeah, off. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I completely. That's just what it always is. I completely. And, now, so let me, if I understand you right, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish because you might answer my no, question. No, no, no. Please go ahead. No, jump in. Everything's on fire all the time for everybody, not just mm. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, over yeah. there, over there, mm. and yeah. Okay, that's how I. Yeah. That's how I read that. Yeah, and I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For everyone, everywhere, always. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it reminds me of death. And then, mm. you know, it's on fire until it isn't, until your mom's gone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then the fire is out. Mm. Yes. And, mm. um, and there's just a kind of, you know, when we, when, you know, for the listeners, we had kind of negotiated how we were going to talk about this because, you know, Seth had had this, you know, major event and then the fire had happened. And, uh, and for me, you know, I, there is a hard limit here and that is actually death. And that is the thing that... Mm-hmm that we cannot ever do anything about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no insurance policy. Nope. You know, there's no creative reinvention. Mm-hmm. It's just all done. Mm-hmm. It just um, is. And, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that's what you're working through with your mom. Mm-hmm. And so For sure. For sure. But I think that's, you know, to, to make it, not make it light of it, but it's like, that's the good news. Mm-hmm. But it's often cast as the bad news. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. You know, right. it's yeah, the yeah. good news. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for putting it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for letting me talk about it. So I was looking, you know, I was, when I proposed it, I was looking forward to talking to you, talking through it uh, with you guys. So, Oof. so all right. I think, <laughs> I think uh, we'll transition. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so thanks as always for the conversation. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Thank you. Until next time. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs>